But I'm just going to pray now. Father, I want to thank you for Dave and for Susie. I want to thank you for uh, their, uh, their friendship and for all they're doing uh, serving you, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts would be open to hear what Dave has to say to us today uh, as you speak through him. Let our hearts be ready to hear him and fill him with your spirit as he speaks, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Good morning, everyone. Uh, You've obviously realized that I'm Dave. Susie is sitting there between Nick and Naomi. And our Luke, you will definitely see him at some point this morning if you're at the end of the meeting because he's going to be whizzing around on his wheelchair. Um, Before I get into our talk this morning, there we are. There's, There's us as a family in China. Was that in China? Yes, that was in China. Um... But I think most of you are aware that, you know, if I'd been giving our presentation 12 months ago, that would have been, sorry, sorry, that would have been our family there. Um, Quite unexpectedly, following our return to China last September, John went down with some severe neck pains, which led to pneumonia. And within a couple of months, he passed away. And... um, completely unexpected for us. He, he'd lived with us for 10 years and had been pretty healthy, in fact, very healthy for that whole time. And this was the one time where he got seriously ill. And, um, but yeah, that's not primarily why we're here this morning, um, but just so that you guys can be continuing to pray for us as we work through the grief of losing John. We've been in China now for 23 years. The whole of that time, we've been in this city, the city of Xi'an, which has pretty much doubled in population during the time we've been there. Uh, It's unrecognizable from when we moved there 23 years ago. But one thing that has stayed the same is the Terracotta Army. That's where we are. If you ever do come to China, I'm sure you'll visit Beijing but I'm pretty sure that on most itineraries is the city of Xi'an because of these guys in the ground. I've been there so many times, I'm sick to death of them. (laughs) But for you, if you come, I'll take you. (laughs) Here's just our main roles, okay? I teach English in a university. I teach spoken English to first and second years. Susie's main responsibility, as well as being a house wife, a homemaker, is homeschooling Luke and John, obviously now just Luke. Um, That is a full-time job. (laughs) He is special needs, not just physically, but also his hydrocephalus impacts his learning ability as well. So that's quite a challenge for Susie at times. My teaching is far easier in the university. And together, alongside uh, a couple of other folks as well, we lead a fellowship in our home. And in actual fact, in terms of numbers, it's not dissimilar from you guys here this morning. We're, at the minute, we're around 30 to 40 on a Sunday morning, uh, but we have been up as high as 60. And that's in our front room. Um, we specifically chose the flat that we're in to have a big living room come dining room so that we can accommodate 60 
without much problem. But many different nations and many different denominations. But I tell you, this fellowship was a huge blessing to us last autumn. They carried us through a very difficult period in our lives, and they stepped up to the mark in amazing ways to serve us and to support us. So we love these guys, and I love, we love being a part of this church and um, leading them. They're a wonderful group of people. Now, why do we have church? What is the purpose, the aim, the mission? There's lots of words people use, but basically they all mean the same thing. Why, why do we come together as a body? Well, I was really encouraged when Nick sent me through an email when at the end of his email it said that. Loving God and loving others. Is that basically something that you reinforce week by week? That's the, what do you call it? The mission. It's your strap line. Oh, that's a new expression. That's another, another one to put in my pocket there then. One of the reasons is it's straight out of the Word of God. That's always a good reason. Um, the other one was if you come to our fellowship in China, we'll give you a little leaflet that says this. A Christian church motivated by the great commandment and the great commission. Well, you guys have hit the first one. Maybe you need to make the strap line a bit longer after this talk, okay? It's included. It's included. It's okay. okay. <laughs> but yeah, the great command. There it is. I'm sure it's something you've read many times in Scripture. And then to add to that, I've concisely brought it down. The great... Huh? That's because you love them. You do. Exactly. Don't pinch my talk, okay? (laughs) Now, here's here's a difficult question. You've just looked at the two verses. What were the verbs that you saw? I'm an English teacher. Okay? Just to help you, verbs are doing words, okay? (laughs) If it's been many years since you went to school. Love is one verb. Any other verbs in there? Go and make. Great, here we go. We had two loves, actually. Love God. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor, which is love others. Go and make disciples of all nations. And really, that's where I want us to go this morning, (laughs) Uh, is to look at really called to go, but in the context of these two verses. Now, if you're called to go, I've tried to break it down and make it as simple as I can because I think in this aspect, the Word of God is straightforward and simple. It's not one of these complex verses that you can read all your life and still not really understand what it's saying. Jesus made these two things very clear and straightforward, and all I can do is the same. Step one, if we're called to go, whatever that means, before we can go, I think we need to be fulfilling the first love to some degree. You try going anywhere without the first knowing yourself the love of God and being filled with the love of God and seeking to reach out with the love of God. It's fundamental and essential in our Christian walk. Sometimes, I have to say that I've had, there have been folks who've come on the field with us in China, and they're there because they didn't fit in back in their home country, or things went really messy in their home country, and they were escaping 
There's all, all manner of reasons, to be honest, why people come on mission and have come to China. But I tell you, those I've loved having with me in terms of their effectiveness on the mission field are those who've come with a love of God, for God and a desire to follow him and serve him. Step two. How about that for a simple instruction? Go. So love God and go. We could finish the message there. But I thought I'd better unpack this word go a little bit more because I think there's lots of aspects to it that are helpful. The first one is, what does go mean? Now, you might be sitting in your seat thinking, I hope David doesn't say, all of you need to go to China. Okay, that's not what go means in this context. For us, it was, our go was to go to China long term. It's a very complicated thing, but the word go means go. It doesn't mean stay. Okay? The opposite of go is stay. Now, again, this, when I'm talking about go and stay, going can be done in Dikop. Yeah? What I mean by stay is you stay within the comfort and the security of what you feel safe with, which I guess for most Christians would be their church community, their church fellowship, and don't really venture outside of that. That's what I mean by stay. Go is something different. I once, as a young person at university, heard a song where one of the kind of lines in that song was, was ships are quite safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships were built for. And I think the same is true for us. We're not called to be stayers within a comfortable, safe environment. We are called to be goers. And, that, and to have a heart to go. I think that's one of the key things, having a heart to go. So, I think that's what go means. What is the next question? Where should we go? Well, there's a verse in Scripture where Jesus says that you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem? Judea? There's one more before the ends of the earth. Samaria and the ends of the earth. I think if Jesus was standing here now talking to you guys, he'd say, you'll be my witnesses in Didcot, in Oxfordshire. Samaria's like Scotland, isn't it? <laughs> I hope there's no Scottish people here amongst them. <laughs> and the nations are the ends of the earth. Yeah. It, it doesn't require all of us to be going to the ends of the earth and to the nations. God has definitely called some to Didcot, some to Oxfordshire, some to Scotland, and some to the nations. I think here, how can you be a goer? Well, just in the car coming here, Naomi was talking about how they're involved with CAP. I think that is going. That's going out of your comfort zone. You're going out 
and reaching out to people who are struggling financially as families and showing the love of God and serving them. I, I'm greatly encouraged whenever I've been coming back to the UK in recent years and just hearing how activities like street pastoring is changing churches and changing the perception of Christianity for many people in this country. Just going out on the streets, loving and caring for people on a Saturday night, making sure they get home in one piece. Helping at food banks and trying to help these families that are struggling to make ends meet. Reaching out and going out to those who are different from us, the poor maybe, the needy, the vulnerable, the abandoned, the lost. This is all going in the context of the Great Commission. We don't need to just see it as, oh, the Davids and Susies of the world are those who are filling the Great Commission. No, you guys here have a call to fill, fulfill that going and, and opportunities to do it as well. There we are. How should we go? I think going is more to do with an attitude of the heart than it is a physical movement. Um, actually, I'll move slightly on from one thing I wanted to say. There's actually been, in fact, I, even for myself, I've gone to China for the sake of the gospel, but I've got to watch myself that I don't become a stayer in China rather than a goer. I get into my little expat community, which I feel very comfortable in, and I only mix with Chinese that I feel very comfortable with, maybe the members of the Chinese church who I'm helping and encouraging, and I cut myself off from anything that's challenging and makes me feel uncomfortable. And I've got to keep stirring myself up in China to be a goer out into the nations. Very easy to get into a foreigner's ghetto where we are. So, how should we go? With a heart to love and serve others. That should be my next slide. There we are. Filled with the love of God. With a desire to love and serve others. Okay. Going to China, actually, has helped me realize just how in this nation, although many would say we're kind of to some extent, post-Christian, there is still actually a lot of kind of uh, Christian attitude or charitable attitude, probably I should say, within our society. Um, you know, just the concept of the Good Samaritan, for example. If you're walking down a street in Didcot and you see somebody get knocked over by a car, I'm going to guess that the majority of you would go up to that person and say, how are, you, how are you doing? Can I help? Can I phone for an ambulance? How can I help you? I don't know if many of you saw in the newspapers, we're looking now four or five years ago, down in the south of China, a young toddler got knocked over by a vehicle in a busy market, and the CCTV ca cameras saw the accident, but then those CCTV V cameras saw about 20 Chinese people walk straight past this screaming, dying child. It's not my child. It's not my concern. I'm just going to walk on as if it, I have never seen it. 
That's the impact of Christianity still in this nation. Even though many have turned their back on God, that is still within our nation. And so when the likes of Christians like Susie and myself go into Xi'an, go into China, even with only a measure of the love of God in our hearts, the contrast is far greater we've experienced. And I just want to give you a few examples. So one of the things we did back in May was a whole group of us from the church went and just served this HIV ministry in our city that's run by local Chinese Christians. It was started by foreigners. It's been now passed over to the Chinese church. But you talk to many of my students and they say, HIV children, why are you helping them? Why are you getting involved with them? Surely they're just going to die, aren't they? Now, some of that's education, but some of it's just attitude as well. Every Saturday morning, Susie, myself, some others in the church, we take a whole load of special needs teenagers and young people in their 20s out swimming. And this has a huge message that it communicates to the Chinese that these young people... To be honest, if they were not looked after by our charity and cared for with things like this, in China, up to the age of 14, you're in the orphanage if you're an abandoned child or special needs. After 14, there's nowhere for you to go except the old people's home, the government's old people's home. So they go from orphanage to old people's home. And in the old people's home, they just care for the old people. There's no Christian... um, ethos that we've got here, we need to give these kids life skills, try and make them as independent as possible, give them a life, there's a future for them. That just doesn't exist in China. Susie and a a group of folks within the church have been caring for this homeless woman for 20 years now. We've provided her with a room, we've provided her with food and clothing. This, you know, Susie walks through the slum areas of our city to go and visit this lady That has an impact. People see what Susie and the other ladies do in caring for Bingley. They ask questions. Why? Why do you care for this woman who's just been thrown out effectively? Our two boys, John and Luke... Susie, quite often when she's been out with our two boys, her Chinese is better than mine so she can hear what people say. And she sometimes wish she doesn't, she didn't hear what they said because the number of people who've said to Susie, who are these children? Oh, they are children that we fostered and we've adopted. Why didn't you foster and adopt the beautiful ones, the clever ones, the pretty ones? Why did you choose these ones? The sick, the useless, the worthless they actually say that to Susie. She, they, don't, they only say it once because <laughs> she gives them an earful back. <laughs> um, but that's, that is a, now that's not everybody, but that is quite a common response from people in China. This is atheism for you. This is Darwinism at its extreme. Survival of the fittest. The others don't matter. This guy on the right was John's primary school teacher. And at John's memorial service last October, we asked him to just share something from John's life that was special. 
And he's not a Christian guy. But he's a, he is a good, lovely teacher. And he came, and we just asked him to share a few things. The guy, and what he said was, one of the things he said in his talk was, John was the most special child I've ever taught. And he changed the attitude of the, the students in my, class, my primary school classroom. And in the talk, he actually turned to Susie and I and he said, thank you for showing me what love is. But he went further than that. Thank you for showing me what God's love is like. Now, he's not a Christian, but he saw something different, particularly in Susie, because she would often be at the school doing things. He saw God's love. Interestingly, the guy on the left, who was tra- acting as translator, was a student I taught 22 years ago who came to faith, who's pastoring a church now in the city. Such is the contrast in China that when the newspapers heard about John's death, we were interviewed and a whole half-page spread was done on us. The TV reporters read the article and then they came around and did a whole documentary on us over leading up to the Christmas period. Why? Because this is different. We cannot understand why these people are doing this to children that we've abandoned and rejected. And uh, although I was able to say both to the newspaper reporter and the TV reporter, it's the love of God and the way that he's changed our lives is the motivating factor. Sadly, because it's communist China, that didn't get into the newspaper report. But I, I often hear of people in the UK who have the same experience, that, that God bit's edited out from their um, presentation. A few years ago, we pulled in a whole load of young people who'd come to faith through the ministry of overseas Christians. And one of the main reasons we called them in was we, wanted, we said, we want to find out from you guys what it was we did that helped you come to faith, and was there anything that you saw or heard in us that actually, at times, kind of pushed you away from God and caused you to think, oh, I'm not sure Christianity's for me. And we were blown away by their answers because what they said was, the, and this is almost all of them, the thing that impacted us the most in coming to faith was going with you guys to the orphanage and seeing this half a dozen or dozen foreign women feeding babies, changing babies' nappies, and just loving and caring for the babies that we'd thrown out on the scrap heap. We just could not get our heads around why people would come halfway around the world to do that. And we thought there's something in this that is different from all the stuff we get told by our communist authorities, by our media, and by everything else. Going out with the love of God, with a heart to serve, has a huge impact We see it probably more clearly, maybe, in China because of the contrast. But as this nation turns its back on God, I think that contrast will be growing here as well. And going out with that love, um, with that servant heart. What is our primary purpose of going? We're almost there. 
Well, to make disciples would be my answer. Yes, we're going out maybe as street pastors, if it's, or with CAP in the Dikko area, as a teacher in China, we're going out to make disciples. But yeah, there's the building of relationships, there's the, the loving and the serving, there's the sharing of the gospel message, there's leading men and women to faith in Christ, there's building and establishing the church. But that's not the final goal. The final goal is to make disciples. And I know, I think I'm right in saying that there's a, there's a message coming up a little bit later on, we're called to make disciples. So I won't do a second sermon here. Just one or two thoughts on that. We're called to make disciples, not good moral individuals. Because good moral individuals are still going to hell. I, probably. I, I'm not sure. Is that still politically correct? And, but, and I think also, probably more so, we're not called to simply make converts. Um, many churches, many church buildings around the world on a Sunday morning are filled with 90% converts, 10% disciples. It's disciples of Jesus Christ that change the world, not converts. 2,000 years ago, we know from Acts, it only took 120 disciples in the upper room to turn the world upside down. If they'd only been 120 converts, there wouldn't be a church today. They needed to be disciples to turn that world upside down. What's a disciple? Well, there's probably loads of, there's whole books written on that, sent, that question, but a, I think a disciple is somebody who loves and serves God. A disciple is somebody who loves and serves God's people. And a disciple is somebody who goes out into the world to love and to serve the lost and is seeking to make disciples of all men. And I just want to share just a couple of little stories off that. For me, one of the greatest encouragements of living in China is not just to see students come to faith, which is great, but to see them become disciples. Now, this young lady here, Joy, we had a, a New Zealand short-term team come through a couple of years ago when she was just starting university, and she came to faith about 18 months ago. And her, I, I've, I've only met Joy in the last six months, but her passion for God and her passion to see fellow students saved has just blown me away. And one of the things that she's done is she's got some of her friends and she's just simply said, come, I want to introduce you to Jesus. And so every Friday, these four girls have been meeting with Joy. And they're how did I find out about this? There I am, 8 o'clock, on a Monday morning, going into class to teach my students, and up comes a girl in one class saying, hey, Dave, I've just started going to a Bible study and finding out about God. Wonderful, wonderful. Can I just prepare my lesson, please? You know, the next class, almost, another girl came up and said exactly the same thing. That is, where are we? Carrie and Ariana, the two girls in the middle there. The one on the left... Natalie is another one of my former students. And I'm just so overjoyed that it's a, a young Chinese Christian, Joy, 
who is pre-discipling three of my students. And I'm praying that those three come to faith and they, like joy, create little seeker groups as well. Another one of my students, Vivian. Um, some, of my, some, of my, some of Chinese are so creative in how to go and make disciples. And Vivian had an experience. She's not a Christian, but again, she came up to me at the beginning of one class and she said, Dave, I just seem to be bumping into Christians all the time. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, I was on the campus just a few weeks ago and I heard somebody playing a guitar. So I found where this person was. It was a, a woman in her late 20s, early 30s, playing a guitar, group of students around her, went and listened. And she said, after a while, I'm going to do guitar lessons for anybody that wants to learn guitar. Only 40 pounds for a semester. If you want to come, come to this place at this time at the weekend, and I'll teach you guitar. And I think about 20 students signed up. Vivian was one of them. She wanted to do guitar at a cheap price. She went along, and for the Saturday morning, she listened and learned how to play guitar. But at the end of the morning, the woman and her husband got out their guitars and taught them all a Christian song. And then said, this evening, Saturday evening, if you want to come along to an introduction to Christianity, it's going to be held here. And a good number of that 20 said, yeah, we're in for that as well. And so, and that group's grown. That group has grown. And so Vivian has been going along to this group. And the thing that struck me the most from it was this. She said, the woman is doing great teaching me guitar. I'm really enjoying what I'm reading with her in the Bible. But the thing that's impacting me the most is I'm talking to her about the problems and the struggles that I'm having with my life. And she is giving me such wisdom and counsel. She's, she actually used the expression, she's like my life trainer, my life coach. And again, I'm just seeing discipleship, discipleship all over that. But what a creative way to get people connected with the gospel. Am I there? A little bit of a, an advertisement here. These guys, I don't know if, do you know any of these people? Some of you do. Neil's in the middle there. He leads the church down in Wantage. But these six guys came out at Easter for two weeks, and they had a great time with us in Siam. I sometimes say to folks, my teaching in the universities, and this is true for most of the teachers, you're just like keeping the fires burning, sharing a little bit here and there during the year, particularly Christmas and Easter, obviously. But when these guys come in, and there's several of these teams that we have from different nations that come in, it's like somebody comes along with a whopping great pair of bellows and the fires really get roaring because they're there for two weeks and they just go for it. Because the worst that can happen is they get sent home and they're only going to be there two weeks anyway. They came out, they did a bit of touristy stuff, uh, saw the terracotta warriors. Neil has been photoshopped into that picture because he got lost from the rest of us. So you can, rib him, you can rib him about that one. We, we had to convince his wife, Dee, that he actually did go to China and that he wasn't photoshopped into all the pictures. But a lot of their time, either in the classroom or outside of the classroom, was spent with students. And so many of these students warmed to them in a, just a two-week period. And the opportunities they had to show... 
it, it was almost every hour they were sharing their faith in some shape or form with students. Partly helped by the fact they came out at Easter, and my whole lesson was an Easter presentation of the gospel. Um, but not only that, but outside of class, students, there's a hunger and a thirst for English, but there's also a hunger and a thirst to just understand what's happening in the world amongst students in China. And so they would often come to what we call English corners or free talks. We would go out on some of our little touristy trips around the city, and students would join us on these as well. They were just so hungry and thirsty to be with the team. These two girls, Naomi and Crystal, are talking to one of the members of the church called Mark. He was a wonderful evangelist. But actually, as I said that, you don't need to be an evangelist to go to China. Students come up to you and say, do you believe in God? How do you become a Christian? What's the Bible all about? They ask you. It's that open. Um, Naming Crystal, two of my students last year, I wasn't aware of any particular interest, but they got to know the team really well, and the team shared with them. And these two girls now are in Joy's secret group. They've joined the other four that you saw earlier. And uh, one of them, on the right there, Naomi, is actually a member of the Communist Party. Now, if you know anything about the Communist Party, you've got to sign a document that says you're an atheist to join. But when, talking, when I'm talking to her, she says, I just don't tell them that I'm involved in a Bible study and it's all right, sort of thing. You know? but, um, yeah, there we go. Just to finish off, um, yeah, I'll leave those up on there. There's some areas that you can pray for us. But in conclusion, just want to say this, to summarize what I've been sharing this morning. As followers of Christ, we're all called to go in the same way that we're all called to love God and to love others, I believe Scripture says we're called to go and make disciples. How should we go? Filled with God's love, God's spirit, with a servant heart. How? So, so, well, so where should we go is wherever God leads us. <laughs> Sorry, wherever we go, wherever, where, where we should go is wherever God leads us. How we should go is filled with the love of God, with a heart to serve. And our purpose is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, who in time themselves will go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, who in time will go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Well, if we don't, the church is only one generation away from not being here. That was a statement made by George Carey, the former Archbishop of the Church of England. Um, we're one generation away from not being here. I think the Church of England is realizing that in a big way, but they're taking steps to try and turn that around. But it's true for any church fellowship anywhere in the world. If we're not making disciples, we ain't going to be here. Amen. Still working. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>